oh my gosh, this is really when I wish we were also video casting our. Blog. I literally have Krispy Kreme glaze in my beard right now. It's amazing. Now. As I'm talking and I'm about. I'm picking it out of my beard while she talks about as it. As I'm talking about childhood trauma and the. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just for Greg, I cough. <laughs> then I'm beginning to cough. Thanks, Greg. Nice article in the paper. Seriously. Man, how do you do how do you do jazz in COVID? Okay. So much spit. Anyway. <laughs> and flying through the air. <laughs> Just it's another way to make fun of trumpet players. Thank you for editing. I appreciate that. Okay, never mind the trumpet jokes. I don't think he knows what you play. Ooh, should I tell him I play trombone? Mm -hmm. I spent a long time playing uh, playing second. My chops never did the high stuff quite as well, so uh, I figure my right ear is now deaf because I was always <laughs> next to the drums. All right. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Ask Pastor Jeff Anything, the podcast that uh, implies not only that I have answers, but that there are answers because we ask these big questions about things that are bigger than us. And you know it's been a while since we said it, but a uh, shout out to the Ask N.T. Write Anything podcast uh, who uh, inspired the name and the idea for this one. N.T. Wright is a, uh, a bishop, um, a, a I guess I think he's retired from the Episco at least active episcopacy, but yes. it also put him in the House of Lords in England and that sort of oh, thing. Yes. More than that, though, he's written I don't even know how many books as a scholar and as just a great theologian. Yep. But he's also a man of deep faith, and so he talks about theology from a place of deep faithfulness. Yes. Uh, and in their podcast, people just write in, and uh, I am I, I am no NT right, and I'm can I uh, can I say you're no NT right either? I am definitely okay. no NT right. However, it's a good idea to ask questions, and we all should. So I hope you all will send them in. Yes. I'm here as always with Jody Renee Giron. Yes. Good morning. Good to be with you. I want to just say right now that I can because I have the mic that you pra you prepared for this. A little bit. Peter. Well, it's because I know I have less to say. Our question this week is more about uh, is is for me. I'm the one asking ask ask myself anything. But no part going. of me believes that once you get going, you're going to have little to say about this. Probably not. Okay. But yes. I'm wondering what you have to say too. And uh, you have your coffee. I have my tea. And some very kind a church person brought by donuts this morning. Warm, glazed warm. donuts. Oh. Okay, right. let's do this thing. I got mine right here. So let's sugar this up. What could go wrong? Aha. This is an exercise. I have a choice whether or not to ingest these calories. Look at you. And I am choosing to do it. What a segue. All right. So it's it's, it's my question. So should I ask it this mm -hmm. week? Okay. Yeah, I want to hear how you're going to frame it. Okay, I'm going to frame it like this. Okay, so there is a phenomenon that happens as one grows in the faith, or at least as one grows in knowledge of faith, I think, mm -hmm. that is sometimes referred to as a Jesus crisis. Uh, that's what it's called in seminaries anyway, which is uh, where you, you cannot get through seminary without having one like this. But it's where you're faced with some big question. You, you realize that there's an assumption you've been making about God and about life and about faith that suddenly rocked. And 
sometimes it's as though the car, the rug were pulled out from under your faith, and it's a crisis. It's it a, is. You have to wrestle with this assumption that you've had to give up, and at the end of it, you realize that it's a good thing that rug was pulled out from under you, that it was some kind of false assumption. If you stick with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that's important, too. Mm -hmm. uh, people can fall away during this time, too. But, I'll, uh, okay, without without spending the whole time on Jesus crises, yeah. mine actually wasn't a Jesus crisis. That, the, the name comes, by the way, from when you learn, when someone learns something about Jesus or, or something in the history that... that that you've assumed and then you realize isn't true and you start to question if Jesus himself were real. Right, the whole thing. The baby right. in the bathwater. And I, I, for fear of giving anybody one of those crises unnecessarily, I won't go into details. Maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> that is it another might podcast. Be. But mine was actually a Moses crisis. Uh, I had Old Testament class before New Testament, so I had a Moses crisis and uh, was confronted with very real evidence that maybe the Red Sea didn't part. Ah. You know, maybe maybe there was a leader named Moshe. Moshe being the the Hebrew word yeah. that gets translated Moses. Uh, maybe there was a a guy named Moshe that that spotted a, a kind of a shallow spot. Yep. Because that happens. There are shallow spots that you can ford. Yep. And then they uh, especially the, seasonally. Right. It's seasonally, and the Hebrews forded across kind of a shallow spot, and Moshe is the one who spotted it. Yep. And the question, now we don't know. Obviously we don't know. The Red Sea may have parted just like with Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. It may very well have. God has done amazing things. No one does green screen like God. <laughs> uh, but I went through a crisis of faith. I, I really did when I learned when I when I was confronted with that evidence, mm -hmm. and of course I came out on the other side thinking, "What does it matter? God has used that story since a thousand years before Jesus. Yeah. God has been using that story to form us and to give us a to give our lives a story of of freedom from oppression. Yes, to give us a story of how God leads us and guides us and saves us from these things, and regardless of what the water looked like. Right. What God has done with that story is, is more real than any of it. So, so you see, my faith ended up deeper on the other side. Right. No pun intended. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm paying attention today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think I'm going through a fresh Jesus crisis right now. Uh, and we all do, all through our lives, by the way. It's something to embrace and to lean into. And, and to kind of celebrate. Yeah, and to celebrate. Yeah, um, so so have compassion if you're if you're challenged by something right now. But here's what I'm going through. I was listening to a podcast uh, that was interviewing Father Greg Boyle. Now, if you don't know Father Boyle, he is just an amazing person. There is a TED Talk that will probably I will undoubtedly use it on Christmas Eve one of these years and show a clip from uh, uh, his TED Talk. I assume mm -hmm. there's only one. Maybe there's more than one. You yeah. you should go watch it. Read the book. He does the audio book himself too. Well, and his book is Tattoos on the Heart. Yeah, right. and it's important to say what he does because that's yes. part of where this is coming from. Uh, he went to uh, inner city Los Angeles. His Los Angeles, yeah. right? It's mm -hmm. at least Southern California and started a uh, ministry called Homeboy Ministries, mm -hmm. uh, Homeboy Bakery. And now Homegirl Ministries, too. Oh, good for him. I yeah. didn't know that side of it. Uh, from, uh, uh, I think the, the phrase he uses is gangbangers. Yeah. yeah well, he's, he's been doing this for decades, yeah. so he's, he's earned the right to use the language rather freely. Yes. But he uh, basically starts working alongside and starting this business, uh, giving job to people, jobs to people who are involved in gangs, mm -hmm. working with them. Uh, and it's just remarkable to hear him speak about that process. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I got the impression from the interview, now I don't want to assume anything about his journey, but I, I wonder if this might have been one of these crises for him too in the early days. But what he said was that there comes a point where you start to question free will. Mm -hmm. Now, I have with me, despite being made fun of for preparing, the Dictionary of Theological Terms, the Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms for you seminary types, fourth edition, I don't know, it's something like that. Yeah. And I want, I want to read what it says about free will because this is an important concept in Christianity. Mm -hmm. A loose rendering of the Latin liberum arbitrium. I did not say that right. That is Yeah, but it makes, it makes me, if I said that right, I would have sounded smart. The term seeks to describe the free choice of the will which all persons possess. All right, just hang on to that. This term seeks to describe the free choice of the will which all persons possess. Theological debates have arisen over the ways by which and the extent to which sin has affected the power to choose good over evil and hence one's free will. So in other words, Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, God says, don't eat that really juicy looking fruit right there, mm -hmm. which brings into all sorts of other questions of what was going on there. And of course, it's a myth that helps form this, another one of those stories. But mm -hmm. the assumption is that Eve had truly free will of whether to go over to that tree and take a bite of the fruit. In other words, nothing, there, were, there was nothing to inhibit her understanding of her choice. Right. Free, truly free, truly free. will, we assume. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is that we also have the choice. I literally have this donut sitting on my lap right now. Warm glazed donut. And it is right next to my gut, <laughs> which is bigger than it should be. And I, the assumption is that I have the freedom of choice whether or not to eat this donut. And by the way, thank you, Jan, because not only for the donuts, but this is a great metaphor right No now. kidding. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. What Father Boyle said in that interview was that there comes a point you start questioning free will. Would you talk about the ACES thing? Because you know way more about it. Are you going to tell your question first? You still haven't really said oh, your question. Is there free will? Truly free will. Is there truly free will? And what's the deal? That's my ah, question. Okay. Yeah. So would you talk about the ACES thing? If yeah. only so that I can be quiet for a second and take a bite out and of And take a bite out of your donut? This. Yeah. Um, so Father Boyle talks about this too. But and you actually haven't heard the same interview, but we've talked about it. Yes, and I adore yeah. him. Um, and the he he works with because he works with so many people that are um, high risk for trauma. There's a test that social workers, doctors. Um, I used to use it when I was doing gang diversion stuff. Actually, um, anyway, the ACE study. It's a ten. It's a way of measuring ten types of childhood trauma that can result in, well, it puts you at higher risk for a number of things, including significant health issues, which I find fascinating, um, but also be at greater risk for poverty, for crime, for addiction, for um, a number of things, just because of how your, your childhood yeah. has shaped your reality. Give us some examples of what's on the test. I think that'll help understand it better. So these are all questions that you were supposed to answer based on things that happened to you before you were 18. Okay. So 
Did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Now, if you've ever known a child who has a memory of food insecurity, mm -hmm. it messes you up. It does. It really messes you up. Uh, and that doesn't mean you're food insecure now, but if you were ever food insecure, if you ever... Ha um, yeah, I can't tell any of the stories in my mind right now because I have a few, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it messes you up mm -hmm. um, psychologically. Yeah. So you get the idea. And, and you, you rate people, maybe they have five out of the ten, maybe they have seven, eight, nine, yeah. all ten. Um, and it, it's a it's a helpful measure for, oh gosh, I'm nervous of my language here. Can you say the level of dysfunction, the amount of challenge that person faces as an adult? What, what, what's a good way to say what I'm going for here? I know, I think I know what you mean. It's, there's, it, it, it poses greater obstacles than to a, to a functioning worldview. There, that's a good way to say it. So I grow, you know, I've never actually taken the test, but I'm pretty sure I'm probably a zero. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're, a, I don't know, maybe you're a zero now that I'm looking at the test again. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I haven't had a perfect life either, but compared to... Well, these are pretty intense questions. Too. Right, these are pretty intense questions, and all of us have some things in our past, of course. Yeah. We all have baggage, but this is about the serious baggage. So... I, I got a nine out of ten. That, that blows my mind. Do right we get there, a trophy actually. for that? I would really like a trophy for that. Yeah, um, no, I can't make it. I was going to make jokes because you're smiling as you say it, but it's not a joking matter. I think only because I... You can I, joke. I can joke about it because this tool was really super helpful to me when I was working with... Um, well, too, and in, you're going to... I know where... I think I know where you're going to go with this question, but in addressing my own shame that I hadn't done things that other people my age had done... But understanding, especially when people start saying, like, everybody can or you just have to want it bad enough or it's a choice, it was good for me to have a framework for, to celebrate the progress I have made in my life. Well, sure. So, there's that. Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody has nine, here you sit. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that, I mean, from, from what Father Boyle was saying, there are people that have less on that scale that don't overcome nearly as much as you have. I don't, boy, I'm trying to be really careful of my language here. But, yeah, so you get the idea. Let's, let's get back to top here. So yeah. You guys get the idea. So Father Boyle was asking, when you start to question what is free will, it shakes other part of your of what you believe about God, too. Yes. So, what is sin? Okay, now I like I like to not trivialize things, but find nice benign examples to help us come to understand. Okay, Fair. I now have an empty paper towel in front of me <laughs> that used to contain a Krispy Kreme donut. Mm -hmm. And thank you for talking about the Aces <laughs> scale. <laughs> so, I grew up with an interesting relationship with food. And I'm not going to go into my family history here, but I grew up with an interesting relationship with food. And right now, I'm actually well treated for anxiety disorder, and mm -hmm. I'm coming to a pretty good place with that. Mm -hmm. uh, the COVID kind of brought that to a head there, and I had a few uh, difficult uh, weeks in the early days of the pandemic. Yeah. But stress eating is one of the things for me. It's an unhealthy coping mechanism. So 
one could say that me eating a donut is sin because I'm not taking care of my body. Do you mean sin in the sense that you have two choices in front of you and... <laughs> I always go back to Tom and Jerry that no one ever remembers, but I keep going back there anyway with the two escalators, one going up and one going oh my down. If only it were that. The one going up with clouds and harps and angels and the one going down, yes. always having a forked tail. Yes. Yes. So, but, but if perfect free will, I had a choice whether to eat that donut and increase my waistline and decrease the health of the body God gave me mm-hmm. or not. I'm moralizing that donut is what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. When you factor in uh, family stuff, when you factor in anxiety that's coming from uh, COVID and the various things in my life. Now, again, this is a benign example compared to the A scale, but it's helpful to think, I think. Did I really have a choice? Like, what what really is the level of, of sin? What is sin in yeah. that case? And if you start to ask what is sin, I mean, even even Eve had a had a snake talking in her ear. Yeah. And and had a had a dumb blank fill in the second half of that word dumb blank husband <laughs> sta- not uh, uh, standing right next to her saying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so did did Eve really have perfect free will? And God had come down and said, "Look at this delicious fruit you're not supposed to eat." For, for crying out loud, have you ever have you ever read a Curious George book to no, your kids kidding. or whatever? Uh, there's one my personal favorite. Uh, the man in the yellow hat takes George into an ice cream shop and says, "I'm just going to leave you here and go run another errand. Don't get into trouble." So did Curious George really have free will? Do you see what I'm saying? So if you question what is sin, then you also have to question what is grace. What what did Jesus die for on the cross? What is grace? Do you see how this ripples out? So, okay, because here's what I'm wondering, though, too. You're thinking about the sin part. But if you have... If you've answered yes to most of those questions, right? And we're the talking about the aces. Yeah, and this is the serious one. This is, we're, this is in donuts. Right, this right, is, right. This is like, yeah. um, did you have family members go to prison? Did you have, were you beaten? You know, things right. like that. <clears throat> then, not, I mean, I think it's one thing to say what is what is the, the I don't like this word, the wrong choice. But I think what Father Boyle is even working with, and I'm wondering if this is what you're trying to say, is you have a limited set of options for what is the good choice. That the, so, so, so I think I know where you're going now, but say more. Okay, say more. so that the good choices available, and, and I mean this on two levels, the good choices available both like in your own understanding of the world and the choices available to you, but then even possibly um, systemically and institutionally, the choices available to you are, are limited or, or different um, because of Okay, so here's the example I used to use with when Nacho was little, and you know he was Your son. my son, um, and Nacho was trying to figure out, like all little kids, morality, and it was very black and white, and either or, and we were talking about we were driving to school, uh, actually we were walking to school, and this woman had put out pies to cool out on the the ledge. This sounds like a Curious George story. Exactly. It was kind of, and Leo, <laughs> if, if Nacho was ever a character in a book, he would be Curious George. But um, 
but it came up Leo about... Leo being Nacho. Leo being Nacho. The people listening out here don't know so that Leo confusing. and Nacho are the same person. I know. I'm Leo Ignacio. Yes. Uh, but we were talking about... He made a comment about leaving the pies out there and being worried that someone would steal the pies. And I asked him if it's always wrong for someone to steal the pies. <laughs> and he said yes. And then I said, what if you were walking down the street and your sister was home and she hadn't eaten anything for two days and you're looking at these pies and thinking that woman has three pies i'm gonna take one pie and feed it to my sister because all you can think about is that you're hungry and your sister's at home hungry is it still wrong do you still have a choice do you still have a choice jean valjean in les miserables that whole book came from the stealing of a loaf of bread right because his family was hungry right so, when I say that, that's what I'm wondering if you're really asking is, wrong is wrong, fine. Bad is bad, fine. And stealing is wrong, we should stealing say. Stealing is wrong, fine. Not condoning stealing here. Right. But if what we make it sound like is that everyone, everyone on the planet, regardless of the world and the situation they're born into, regardless of the formative experiences they've had, have the same options to choose good and the same ability to choose good and the same motivation to choose good, or not even good, but what's best... Are we fooling ourselves? So I became a pastor. Do you see the halo over my head? Don't answer that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I became a pastor. I chose good. My life hasn't been perfect. There have been challenges. Sure. You know, I had True challenges growing up, just True like everyone, everyone does. But the people that Father Boyle works with uh, in the inner city of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm become gang members because they're uh, it, uh, now I far be it for me to really understand gangs that's not a that's not a, a ministry I, or a place I've been involved with my own self but my understanding is that a lot of it is belonging and taking care yes. of one another it's community so it's easy for people who have easy comparatively easy lives to look at gang members and to look at the violence, the violence which is bad, I don't argue that, mm -hmm. and and judge. But if you grew up with so many of those numbers on the ACES scale mm -hmm. and your only chance at finding belonging was in a gang, do you really have a choice? Is there really free will? Right. It's messy. It's messy. It I, have, I don't know the answer to this. It's messed up my theology. So you know what's fun? Messed up my oversimplified theology. Yes. Well, and I, I'm going to just say this. Do you think that it's one way for us to justify privilege when we make it sound like everyone has free will and I am where I am because I made all the right choices and you are in prison because you made a bad choice? Well, part of my world view growing up is that you can do anything if you try hard enough. Ah, uh, yes. American Protestant work ethic. <laughs> yeah. and, and Bootstrap theology, as for, we call it. Yeah. For some people, that's more or less true. For some people, absolutely. You know, if I wanted to be... I've, I've watched politics enough now to know that... Um, I, I heard President Obama say once that there is such a randomness to who becomes president. Now, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to let that sit for a second. But okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe maybe if I wanted to be president of the United States, that's not entirely in, in my control. Maybe it's not just about hard work. But more or less, I grew up thinking that. And for me, that has been more or less true. true. 
if I know that if I wanted it enough, I could do it. But someone who grows up in poverty, who is also fighting battles with memory of food insecurity or present food insecurity, right. uh, with abuse in their background, right. with lack of a solid, uh, with lack of a solid family foundation in their earliest years, man, er, that's why I'm glad we have the childcare here because that early childhood thing is so important. Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody who doesn't have all that, can they really do anything if they try hard enough? Right. Or is there more to it than that? And can you imagine the shame and being told that you didn't get it because you didn't? The shame. Try you bring in the shame. Enough. And then the minute you bring in shame, you're just piling on. Okay, so you might find this fascinating. They're um, physiologically, they're learning that all of us exist. So we're kind of learning this about anxiety and cortisol, and our bodies are far more involved in our decision making and everything than we think. So the body can either, we hear a lot about fight or flight, right? And then the other one is rest and digest. I haven't heard that. It's so cute. I love all these little things. So, but basically the idea. You are an evangelical, aren't you? Because you got to have your rhyming. My rhymings or my your, alliterations. Your, yeah, your rhyming and alliterative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the notion that they're really learning is that, especially because of things like the ACEs test, is that we either make our decisions and function out of a state of survival or out of one of creation. And when you're in a constant state of survival, um, like not only are there clear physical things about that, you know, the, your adrenals are overworked, your... Um, so it literally affects your it's body. It's literally changing yeah. your body. But you make decisions based on, well, to survive not to create not to it's it's reactionary and obviously then you you know like with gangs it's so it is so much about there's literally a different body chemistry absolutely psychology aside there's different body chemistry when right. you've been through that kind of stress in your right. life so these some of these choices that uh, these young people make you know speaking specifically to the gang situation even um, it is about it's literally about survival and not just for them, but sometimes for their families. So when I was in Denver, I did a, a choir in eighth grade. It was an after-school project. It was funded through the Boys and Girls Club, and it was it was an eighth grade choir, and we sang like Marvin Gaye and fun stuff, Stevie Wonder. But it was a gang diversion program because the uh, the junior high that at middle school I was working with is where my kids went. They had an 88% matriculation rate from eighth grade because of gang recruitment. Wow. But the gangs were promising these kids um, community, but also dignity. I mean, I know that's not dignity, what that's yeah. not what we think of when we think of gangs. But yeah, it was respect. It, respect and respect is huge, huge. huge. Um, some clout, you know, but also a chance to make really good money because there's a lot of money in gang um, trade, gang work, all the thing. You know, it's basically a street mafia. Um, and an opportunity to make something of yourself. And these kids aren't promised that. There's nothing, what they're looking at was their peer groups who were already gearing up for IB programs. Or, and some of these kids were brilliant. They're brilliant yeah. young people. Yeah. But, you know, dad might be in prison or they're dealing with their, they're caring for their little brothers and sisters at home and they needed something, they needed another alternative that could mirror that that made sense when you're 
in a space of reaction and fear and yeah so what are their choices what does their what do is they, available to their free will do do they look at the front of a fortune 500 magazine is that a magazine i don't know fortune get, is isn't it or fortune. forbes or oh i bet they're the ones who do the fortune 500 i bet they are too huh okay can you tell okay, i'm not a i was gonna say guru. is it it's clear now what we read and what we don't yeah. read <laughs> but do do you know the, those aren't people who look at the front of fortune magazine and think i'm going to be ceo of a company no. one day because that's not that's not an option that's realistically open no given their experiences and given their lives so I think we need to bring this back around here to 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 where this goes with theology and may now again I brought I asked this question today because I'm wrestling with it I'm having a crisis mm -hmm. but there's two things that uh, 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 of Jesus that have been coming to mind through this mm -hmm. one of them is Jesus's instructions not to judge lest we be judged and I'm just gonna let that hang in the air a little bit because I have had times of judging gang members literally when gangs were an especially big problem in the uh, was that 90s I don't know well they've always been a problem. I was gonna say what it, it seemed it was seemed it was talked about more the bloods I, and the I think it got and, glorified a little bit uh, yeah that's probably you know? what I'm okay let me phrase this differently yeah that era when white people were more aware of gangs okay which fair. must have been the 90s <laughs> Uh, I know I judge like why would people make choices like that I, I mean I doubt I said it that way but that's what I was thinking and I was judging and perhaps this is one of the reasons that Jesus said not to judge because I haven't walked a mile in their shoes to bring in another adage uh, and it's not to say that everything they're doing is right it's certainly not to condone the violence but I also don't know what they've been through. I also don't know any of that. You're looking up a scripture. Should I say the other thing I was thinking? Say or? the other thing you're thinking. The other thing I was thinking then is the role of grace. Because, you know, whenever whenever you pull a thread in your theology yeah. and you unravel some of what you believe a little bit, you always end up, you, you always have to ask, well, what's it going to change? When I pull this thread, what's it going to change on the other side? Maybe spaghetti is a better metaphor. <laughs> when I pull this noodle, what other, what meatball is going to move? Mm. <laughs> uh, you're into food metaphors yeah. today. <laughs> uh, free will, free will. No, the um, it it seems to me that when you pull on the thread slash noodle of free will, the thing that moves on the other end is grace. Because if we, if our free will, I'm not going to say we don't have free will because. I did have a choice whether or not to eat that donut in another totally. sense. Totally. But if our free will is more complex than we make it out to be, then the only answer with God, the only answer in theology, is that God's grace is all the bigger still. Mm -hmm. That God sees the ACEs score. That mm -hmm. God sees our past. That God sees my own complicated relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And that when I make that choice, whether to whatever extent, to whatever percentage, to whatever ratio that choice is free, mm -hmm. God knows it. And God's grace is all the bigger. And maybe that's the whole point of the cross, the resurrection being a promise that the day would come when God made even that new. Yes. Did that hang together? That was off the cuff. 
No, I think it does. I didn't have that when we started this conversation. Oh, look, you're answering your question. That's what I've been looking for this whole time, I think. Okay. It I'm makes gonna, grace bigger when you unravel it does. free will. Okay, but yeah. now I'm going to be the one that pokes your bear for Oh, a now see, I did my preaching thing, and I had my moment, and now you're going to poke. All right. No, so you'll like, I think away. you'll like it. It's a good thing. Because this is, that's super important from the standpoint of not judging yourself, which yeah. I think we forget to do oh, well man. as Christians. I judge myself way more. I judge others more than I should. I judge myself more, way more than I More than you judge I others. <laughs> I know you do this. I know you do this. I watch you do this sometimes. Um, Donut. Donut. But I think, too, that there's an invitation from... Okay. One of my beefs with evangelicalism it was that it was always just about me. And especially as a kid who has an ACE score of nine. Evangelical theology tends to be too personal. Well, and culture. Is what you mean. Culture is so, like, yeah. me and Jesus alone in a closet. It's weird. But. <laughs> well, just leave that one hanging. Yeah. Too. Don't edit that out, Greg. That's a good one. But it's. <laughs> um, but what is. So when Jesus. Because this was the scripture I wanted to remember. To me, Jesus has to give us hope that's bigger than God's going to be cool with my limited free will or my dysfunctional free Oh, big free grace will. doesn't let us off the hook. Right. Yeah. But, systemically, what is the call from Jesus if when Jesus said, I had to get this right, it's the thing from Isaiah that I absolutely love when everybody and ever anybody asks me what kingdom work is, and it's when he quoted from Isaiah, um, blah, 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 bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, comfort all who mourn um, but then also they'll rebuild the ancient ruins re uh, renew ruined cities places deserted uh -huh. in generations past it's this idea of it's the cross and the resurrection yes, as I just said it. from a systemic standpoint yeah. we are called to we're people that are supposed to be free we're promised freedom in Christ so we gotta we gotta address those systems and institutions and messy things that keep people from being free and you know, um, here we are at the uh, end of our time. Uh, perhaps this is just bonus points for your own thought, or please send emails or Facebook discussions or whatever, but um, ha have any of you out there been thinking about how this plays into the uh, racial tension that we're having right now? Uh, Black Lives Matter, the protests, and even the riots for that matter. Now again, not condoning violence and looting and that sort of thing, but one does have to ask, what is the role of free will? I mean, or, or how much is the past and the generational past, not just not just their own lives, but That's the right. lives of their parents and their parents and their parents? That's right. How much is that playing into what's happening? Because I I, I think the only obvious I'm asking rhetorically. Yeah. The answer is a lot yeah. entirely. Absolutely. What what we are seeing is an expression of something bigger. Absolutely. And and that's what we've been talking about. Proclaim good news to the poor. Yep. Release the captives. And God will rebuild. But we gotta help. But we gotta help. Alright. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully I didn't give any of you a Jesus Christ. Actually, no. Hopefully I didn't give you a I was gonna say, are you kidding? Jesus <laughs> However, Shake that tree. if you have a Jesus crisis, if you have one of those crises of faith where you pull a thread and it unravels, don't do it alone. Talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Talk to us. We're both open. Ask questions. Uh, send them in. I, well, for the podcast maybe, but just in general. Yeah. Uh, and, and lean into it and don't do it alone because that's how we grow. God usually speaks through others. Look at me. I feel like I've... Uh, mended some of the unraveling just now. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. So thank you, Jody Renee. Thank you. We'll see you all next week.
and did a double tap on the end.